Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm really excited today to get back into the book of John. And I'm very excited because there's something about reading the Bible kind of in a systematic, straightforward way. There are different ways that people read the Bible. Um, and there's a different way that people take in the Bible. Last time, uh, um, well, I had, I've mentioned, I, I believe in a, in a previous sermon, that I was on a plane once and I saw uh, a woman, she pulled out a little devotional and I, it had a couple verses and had a few lines. She read the devotional, she read the line. I saw that, she read it, she put it down. She kind of stayed quiet for a minute and then she pulled out a book. And I have no idea if she read her Bible early that morning or I have no idea what her, so I, I'm not being judgmental by what I'm saying. But what I am saying, what I do want to emphasize is how important it is to read chapter after chapter after chapter and take in the truth of the word of God. The history of the word of God. The details of the word of God. There's something called plenary inspiration. Okay, giving you like a $4 word there. Plenary inspiration means that the entire scripture, every aspect of it, is inspired by the Spirit of God. And so the more you know it, the more you take it in, the better off you are. The details, the history, God over the course of your life, the more you take in the word of God, he will speak to you from the most unique uh, angles of the word of God. And so taking it in constantly and, and consistently, and especially the New Testament, if you're a young believer, always put the emphasis on the New Testament first. These are all very, very important things for the life and strength of a believer. Amen? Amen. And so uh, because it's been a while, I want to do a quick recap of the exalted Christ uh, uh, series, which is the book of John. Listen to this quote, John, the author of the book of John, perceiving that the external facts have been made plain in the gospels, the previous three gospels, being urged by his friends and inspired by the spirit, he composed a spiritual gospel. Some people call the book of John the spiritual gospel because the book of John talks about primarily about very spiritual things. The very spiritual and divine nature of Christ himself. In the book of John, they don't really use the word miracle. Okay, they use the word signs. And a sign was a miracle, but it was a miracle with a lesson attached to it. Okay, so the book of John is a, is a very important teaching book. Every time you read Jesus performing some type of miracle, know that he's doing more than just displaying his kindness and his love for people in that current situation. He's also teaching us a lesson. You see, and that's why it's the first sign and the four. And so here's what we've covered. 
in the first sign in John chapter 2, he is the Lord of the here and now. Jesus visited a wedding because they invited him. And how many know when we invite Jesus, he shows up? Amen. Come on, yes. Amen. Let's put our hands together. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The second sign was Jesus re revealing himself as the Lord over space and time. And then the third sign was Jesus revealing himself as the Lord who works for us and the Lord who also gives us rest. Okay? We don't have time to go over all of those uh, messages, but you can go back in the series. It's on our website. Now, when the word became flesh... The word became flesh because Jesus wanted to give an exalted revelation of who God really is. And the purpose of the book of John is to expand our faith. Everyone say faith. The Lord wants to expand our faith by elevating our view of Christ. Okay? He wants to expand our faith by elevating our view of Christ. And today's message is the fourth sign. And the fourth sign, and here's the title of the message, reveals Christ as the Lord of provision. Jesus is the Lord of provision. The miracle that we're about to read is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. I believe the reason this miracle is recorded in all four Gospels, the reason is because of how important provision is for the heart, the life, the physical life of every person, and in particular, every believer. What we're going to talk about is fundamental to everyone's faith. What you believe about God in this area has a very significant impact on how you choose to live your life. This issue really uh, uh, guides our choices and directs our hearts. And so I want to go ahead and, and jump right into it. We're going to read uh, John, starting with John, John chapter 6, starting with verse 1, where he shows himself as the Lord of provision. It says, Sometimes, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So he, he was healing the sick and notice signs. So even though he healed people, he was still teaching a lesson. Remember, this is a constant of the book of John. But now he's changing the revelation of who he is. Okay? It says, then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat with his disciples. Let me just say this very quickly about this. So this is one of the notes in my book that's not in the notes of my sermon, but I do want to say this. One of the things that touched me personally as I was reading this was the fact that even though Jesus was the exalted Christ, the Lord of glory, was doing all of these miracles, look at this. He went up on the mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. How many are thankful that despite his greatness and grandeur, he still has time just to sit with us as his people? How many would say amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who is like our God? The King of glory will just sit with us. 
He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. It says, then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. So this was actually, I believe, one year away from the ultimate Passover where he would give his life. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. By the way, he already has in mind what he's going to do with your life. How many would say amen? He already knows, he already has it in mind. That's not exactly the message today, but I got to say it. Okay, he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half Uh, half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Okay? Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Now, I want to say this right here. In In a few moments, I'm going to allude to the fact that this whole scene calls back to the Old Testament in the book of Numbers when Israel was, was in the desert. I just want to bracket that real quickly. Let's keep going. And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. There were 5,000 men. We really don't know how many people were fed. It could be up to around 20,000. Okay. It says, then Jesus took the loaves, he took them in his hands, he gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Not a bite, as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So he gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over uh, by those who had eaten them. Someone, uh, some of the commentators said that the 12 baskets allude to the fact that Jesus was able to take care of the 12 tribes of Israel in the desert, the 12 disciples, and the 12 months of the year. How many know he can take care of all things for his people? So I want to pray. I want to pray. Well, let me just say this, and then we're going to pray. So provision is is such a big deal that from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God always wanted his people to see him as the Lord of provision. This is super foundational. I guess this is the reason why the most basic prayer that people pray, or at least should pray, is is the prayer of grace. Haven't you noticed that I remember when I was playing baseball in Texas at school, uh, uh, um, everyone said grace. You know, um, they may not have been living for God, but they were taught, hey, you see this bread right here? You see this, you know, chicken patty that we would get in college? Uh, uh, You know, I have a real sensitivity to food, don't I? I got to stop talking about it. (laughs) But how do you know every time we eat, we say grace because we're acknowledging that he's the one who feeds us. He provided. And so it is, this is important today. Because when we think about provision, provision is fundamental. 
Provision begins the moment you're born, you need to be provided for. The moment you're born. A baby that's not provided for cannot thrive and survive. As human beings, because we take longer to develop, the, this process of being provided for actually takes a long time before we can independently provide for ourselves. But here's the interesting thing, and then we're going to pray. The older we get, the more we forget. Okay? The older we get, the more we forget that he's the one that provides. You see? Because the older we get and the more independent we become, the more we start to think that we're the provider. How many know we're not the provider? Jesus is the provider. How many? So say amen. So I want to pray right now, and I want to pray that God would help us to really tune into this issue. This is a foundational spiritual issue, okay? And we want to tune in and grow in our faith in Jesus as the Lord of provision. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. And God, we bless you. We bless you, Lord, because it's clear, the evidence is clear every single day. You are the great provider. And God, I pray for every heart, for every family. I pray that we would come under that umbrella of provision. I pray that our faith would rise to see you as the Lord who takes care of all things for your people, oh God. And Lord, every aspect of our lives, every need is met according to your riches and glory. When we were formed in our mother's womb, each and every one of us, you already knew what you were going to do. So bless us and help us. And I pray that there would be things broken off of people today. I pray that fear would be broken today, oh God. I pray that unbelief would be shattered, oh God, like a stronghold shattered, oh God. I pray, Father God, that people would cross lines, oh God, of faith and step in and recognize that you are Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. So bless this word in our time together, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Everyone needs to be provided for. We need to be mindful of that all throughout history. Provision goes first. You know, in, um, I've, I've, been reading, I've been reading a lot of different books. And I've been reading a little bit about the life of uh, George Washington and actually, uh, uh, Pastor Jake is reading Hamilton, and he pointed out in this book, the, the, in this book uh, on um, Hamilton, and he only, he only is reading this book because he got to go to the show. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, um, look, at, look at what he wrote about. This is Martha talking about, about George Washington. In the Revolutionary War at the Battle of Valley Forge, American soldiers were starving to death in the midst of fertile American farmland. As a result, the she said, the general's well, but much worn with fatigue and anxiety. I never knew him to be so anxious as now. So here's the interesting thing. They were more concerned about food than they were the enemy. You know why? It's because provision is always first. You see, and we can miss the fact that God provides all things.
This is all throughout history. I remember when uh, uh, I started in, in uh, one of the ministries at Brooklyn Tabernacle in my early 20s. And we did a lot of street ministry. I met on the street a number of, I met a guy who was a doctor and was homeless. And he was a doctor. He had his license, practice, but things happened in his life and he actually was homeless. I met another guy who, Colum who graduated, if I'm not mistaken, from Columbia uh, Law School. I mean, this guy was an attorney, sharp when you talked to him, so articulate. Uh, um, and yet, uh, he was homeless. And you know why? It's because we need the Lord to be our provider. We can't take for granted that what we have is because of us. That is a fundamental, fundamentally flawed thought. Are we supposed to work? Are we supposed to study? Are we supposed to be good stewards? Yes. Absolutely, God wants us to sow and to work. You reap what you sow. But in addition to that, at the foundation of it all, if it wasn't for the goodness, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. How many would say amen? So that's the heart and spirit of what this passage is teaching us. And uh, many people... Um, will say, oh, I need this, I need that, but very few people like to admit that they need. And the truth is, is everyone needs. We need people, we need love, we need shelter. Everyone needs. And we're gonna look at how we view this issue and what Jesus wants to teach us about provision. Amen? Okay, so when it comes to provision, Jesus teaches us, first of all, okay, there's a few things, and here's what happens. Jesus, first of all, will test us. He tests us for faith or calculation, okay? This is what, there's a test that goes on when it comes to provision. It says, Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to everyone for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, you, if, if he tested Philip, a good question to ask yourself is, does he test you? Okay? And the answer is yes. Okay? So Jesus basically wanted to see what kind of faith was in their heart. Here was the test. What do you believe? Do you believe provision comes about from what you can do? Or do you believe provision comes about from what he can do? You understand? So he was testing. He was saying, Philip, you feed them. He knew that he couldn't feed them. But he was testing to see, are you going to calculate or are you going to believe? Okay? So listen. This is a very important principle. When it comes to your, you and I living by faith. One of the key factors is, are you going to calculate or are you going to believe? Okay? Are you going to count it up and add it up and think about what you can do? Or are you going to have the faith impulse that says, I can't do anything, but you can do all things. I can, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see? And so calculation, the, Philip's calculation was it would take over half year's wages to feed the entire crowd. But the fundamental provision, uh, uh, key to provision is recognizing that God is the one who provides. 
Now, let me just say this. When he asked that question, he was asking a question. It was a loaded question because in the book of Numbers, Moses was in the desert. Okay, and the Israelites, they had the history of God providing for them supernaturally. He would send manna and he would, he would provide water and he sent quail. And there was a certain part of the, of the history of Israel where Moses was in the desert and he had about 600,000 people. And they needed to be physically fed and cared for. And Moses actually needed spiritual help. Moses was like really struggling and he needed a, a, a lot of spiritual help. And when, when he asked for that, that spiritual help, look at, look at what happened. Look at what Moses said. And this is what he was talking about. But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot. And you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Cause God said, I'm going to give the people meat. Okay. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? And the Lord answered Moses. Let's read this together. Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. So here's the thing. Moses starts calculating. God says, I'm going to do this. And Moses starts calculating. And when Moses starts calculating, and he says, are you, are you this 600,000 just men here. Uh, I mean, come on, Lord. And God says, is the, is the Lord's arm too short? And I want to say this to you right now. Is the Lord's arm too short for provision in your life and in the life of everything that concerns you? His arm is not too short. Can everyone say amen? His arm is not too short today. You see, so there is a test. The test is, will you believe him? Will you believe him? It changes your disposition. It changes your heart. It changes your attitude. It changes all sorts of things. The other day, my, my wife told uh, uh, Wesley, my grandson, oh, when I get back, I'm bringing you a toy from my trip. She went to speak in Iowa, and she came back. And Wesley would go to the door and, or, and to the window, he's saying, I'm looking for grandma because grandma's bringing me a toy. I'm looking for grandma because grandma's bringing me a toy. Okay? You know what he was doing? He put his faith in her word. Okay? He didn't understand all the details. He didn't know where she was. He didn't know where it was going to come from or how she was going to get it. But what he knew is grandma said, I'm bringing a toy and grandma's going to deliver. And how many know our father says, I will provide. I will provide. I will provide. His arm is not too short. His arm is not too short to provide for you. You see? And so there should be expectation about provision instead of worry. You see, there should be expectation. There should be joy and hope. You see, there should be celebration. You see? One of my buddies once, he took the Bible at his word. Actually, Pastor Tyrone, who preached here, this is when he was just a young guy, wasn't in the ministry yet. And he was having such a a tough time in his life and he was needed a job and he had looked for a job, can't find a job. And he read the book of Joshua about them marching around 
Jericho seven times. And so he said, you know what, man, I'm marching around this tree right here. And he's like, Lord, and he started, you know, uh, don't do this at home necessarily, but... He took off his shoes and he marched around the tree seven times. Young kid just praising God and said, hey, you know what? In less than two days, he had a job. How many know Jehovah Jireh is a great provider? You know, that might sound silly or crazy, and I'm not telling you to be silly or crazy, but here's what I am saying. What I am saying is he will test you. Okay, he will test you. He will test you in every area of your life. And, and listen, if this is one of the mess, if this message makes your chest tight, you know, so I've been doing this for a while. I could see it on people's faces. <laughs> Some messages, they make, your, they make the, 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 the people get tense. But listen, he loves you. He loves you. And he tests you. Not because he wants to show you something bad, but because he wants to grow your heart in faith. How many would say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So the first thing that we need to understand when it comes to provision is, yes, the Lord's arm is not too short. But don't be shocked by the test. A lot of people presume that the test is a sign of God's unfaithfulness. Just because you're experiencing a season of testing, that doesn't mean that God is not faithful. You have to understand that the most important thing about your life to God is your faith. The Bible says that faith is more precious than pure gold. That's what he cares about, you know, and he will, he can, he can deliver you in an instant. This was a, at least a, a lesson that I had to learn in the ministry. I remember when I started in the ministry and things would go wrong. And I used to say, Lord, why don't you just fix this? And then one day it was like the doy. The reason I don't fix it is because I want you to learn something. And you, fi- you, you learn it and then he fixes it. You see? The other thing about being tested is testing strengthens you for the next level. You see, there's another level. So there were days that we had to believe God when we started this church and there were this many people. There were days when, you know, $1,000 was miracle, okay? How many know the miracles have gotten a little bit bigger in, in terms of our need? But see, the thing is this, if he was faithful then, how many know he'll be faithful again? Hallelujah, come on, let's put our hands together, hallelujah! Hallelujah. And, and so we develop a record of God coming through. Our backs are up against the wall. We develop this record. He tests us. And then with every test, we get stronger and stronger and stronger. Okay, so that's the first thing. Second thing is Jesus not only tests us, but then Jesus waits for an offering. Man, I got a little amen out of that one. Thank you, Lord. People, amen, offering so much around here. It's so wonderful, right? How wonderful, how glorious we were singing a few minutes ago, Lord. 
Watch this. So Jesus waits. It says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish, but how far will they go among so many? Now I want to point this out. In the book of Mark, remember, because the Gospels, they give you a different facet. Look at what it says in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, same story, but different highlight, different emphasis. Uh, um, Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? And he's, he asked, go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Now, why would he ask him that? You see? Why would he ask him, what do you have? Here's why. This is fundamental from the Old Testament to the New Testament. See, I'm talking about spiritual stuff today. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, offerings and miraculous provision always went hand in hand. The people of God would constantly give offerings to God. Okay, in fact, if you see the way the Bible begins to unfold, he speaks to, he speaks to uh, Abraham, he spoke to uh, Noah, and different times God would speak to people and promise them things, and you know what they would do? They would immediately, after they got the promise, I want to give you a piece of advice on this, okay? Learn from the great men of faith from the very beginning of time. As soon as God gave them a promise, guess what they would do? They would give God an offering and say, I worship you, Lord. You see? There was something about the acknowledging and the worshiping of God in a very tangible way. They go hand in hand. See, the offering is what we have, and the provision is what we don't have, but that God has. And so, so listen, the offering is what we do have. God doesn't ask you to give him or to offer him what you don't have, okay? The provision is what we don't have, so the offering is what we do have. Offerings have always been a major facet of faith. When you believe God, you give him offerings. Can I get an amen? amen? Thank you. It's true. When you believe God, listen, the faith impulse. Everyone say faith impulse. The faith impulse wants to give God an offering. The unbelief impulse wants to hoard and keep. But the faith impulse wants to give God an offering. The faith impulse wants to worship him. The faith impulse wants to lift hands. The faith impulse wants to raise the voice and shout to God, hallelujah, you're good and you're faithful, oh God. You see, I will bless the Lord at all times, not just after he delivered me. At all times, his praise will continually be in my mouth. Why? Because it's the faith impulse. You see, we give him the fruit of our lips. That's an offering of worship and praise. But the faith impulse gives and offerings have always been a major facet of faith. And by the way, one of the reasons why we take an offering when we have service is because whenever the people gathered together with God, they made an offering to him. You see? So God, now here's another key thing for us to understand. God uses individual sacrifice to bring about corporate solutions. In other words, God uses individual offerings. This one lad, this one boy, 
makes this, gives this offering to God. And when he gives this offering to God, he has no idea that somewhere between 10 to 15,000 people are going to be fed because he gave it to God. You see? And so when we take an offering, and by the way, by the way, I want to say this up front, okay? This message is about a lot more than money. I'm not talking just about a particular, like you put an offering in the offering basket, okay? Can I tell you, we had a great missionary come. His name is David Grant. He is like, he's considered like a great apostle, almost at the same level as Mother Teresa in India. And he's been to our church and he's spoken. And I've, I'll never forget, he's told the story twice. When he was a little boy, this is how he ended up impacting India at a scale that you and I can't even get, a, get our heads around. When he was a little boy, they took an offering. And when they took an offering, he said to himself, Lord, I don't have anything to give you. And then he said, wait, I know what I can do. Lord, I want to stand inside of that offering basket because I'm going to give you my heart and myself. You see? That's the way David Grant was born. So I'm not talking just about finances. The word of God is way bigger than that. I say all the time, guys, God is not broke. You know, this is deep. This is spiritual. This is so much bigger than that. And then, so remember, remember, God wants each and every one of us to do our part in bringing offerings. And then we have no idea what he can do. He can do exceedingly and abundantly, everyone, beyond. You see what I'm saying? He can do beyond. And then, thirdly, it says when we, uh, the, what he's teaching is that when we give to God what we do have, he provides what we don't have. And more, as you see, there were baskets left over. In fact, for the next service, I want to put in more. Because when you give God what you do have, then God will then turn around and give you what you don't have and more. In other words, Jesus was waiting for them to express some faith to him and say, Lord, we know we can't do this, but we want to partner with you and we love you, God. And so here we want to give this to you. So listen, let me, let me just say this. So if the musicians would come, when you give God what you do have, then he will provide what you don't have. Let's read this together. When we give God what we do have, he provides what we don't have and more. Okay? So here's the way, very practically speaking, here's the way this fleshes out. Look, check this picture out. This right here fed this many right here. Okay, let me say that one more time. This right here, one boy's lunch, placed in the hands of God, fed that many people. Could we praise God for his amazing power? Come on, raise your voice and shout to him. Hallelujah, Lord, you are awesome and mighty and great and wonderful, oh God. Hallelujah, blessed be your name, oh God. We read the Bible. When you read the Bible, remember it's real, real fish, real loaves of bread. 
This is not a some kind of mythology. This is not some kind of cool story you watch on Netflix. This is real life. He is the Lord of provision. You take the little that you have and you give it to him. And he'll give you what you don't have. Everyone and more. And more. And you know the thing about faith. Faith requires faith. (laughs) What I mean by that is that when you live by faith, there are just empty spaces that God has to fill. You know, we, we want to live by faith, but we want God to fill it before we do anything. It's not, it doesn't work like that. It's like thousands of people, they all need food. How are we going to do this? It's all empty. There's no place. All right, well, let's give God this little thing and let's see what God will do. You know that's how this church was born, don't you? Right? I think about the fact that when we were in a little building, you know, it's funny because the mayor's coming next service. And, um, and we're going to honor him and he wants to greet the people. And uh, regardless of politics, can I say this? Look, regardless of politics, uh, when an elected official comes, remember in the scriptures, the Bible says, honor those who are in authority, they are agents of God, okay? Doesn't matter what your politics are, if, a, if an elected official, first of all, we won't put people who are not elected up, but if an elected official comes, okay, when it's time to honor them, how many know we should honor them? How many say amen? Not like, I don't like his policy, you know those red light cameras, they got me five times. <laughs> That's not what the moment is about. You see, that's not what the moment is about. There are bigger things. This is the kingdom of God. How many of say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's, let's praise the Lord. Well, listen. No mayor, no alderman, no this, no that, no anybody. Dozen, 14 people in a prayer meeting. We prayed, God, help us. Took a little offering. I think we collected like $2,000, but they pledged like 20000 or 13000 I forget what it was. And then in seven days, it just came from here, and it came from there, and it came from there, and it came from everywhere, and we were able to, from that, move to the next place. Just a little group of people. You know why? Because we gave God what we had. We believed him. We said, Lord, we, we don't, I remember, I remember walking with Chrissy and Chrissy was like, man, this is the building, 550, if they come to 550,000, this is the building. I'm like, we don't have five, five we don't have 500 in the bank. <laughs> Hello? She says, no, this is God, you know, which another quick thing I want to say, man, I'm saying all kinds of things that weren't in my notes, but <laughs> this is a very important thing. Listen. One's, one person's faith can impact a multitude of people. You see? So don't ever say, what could my little offering do? Your little offering can do a lot. Okay, and here's why this, which is the last point. 
Here's why. It's because Jesus provides through what we place in his hands. Jesus provides through what we place in his hands. It says, then he took the loaves. Give it to the Lord. Okay, then he took the loaves. It was placed in the Lord's hands. I want to zero in right now. Okay. You can place your marriage in his hands. You can place your future in his hands. You can place your money in his hands, your finances in his hands. You can place your relationships in his hands. We can place our hearts, our lives, the same way David Grant placed himself in that offering basket. He placed himself. He, play, he placed his future. You can, whatever you put in his hands, okay? If you put it in his hands, whatever, so, so here's the way it goes. Whatever area of your life that you don't place in his hands, don't expect the miraculous blessing. When we have babies, we dedicate our babies. Why? Because we want our babies. We want to place our babies in his hands. We dedicate our babies. You see? And so this is a universal fundamental. This is a universal fundamental reality. Now, can I, can I just say this? I want to talk about money for a minute. You guys know we don't talk about money a lot, but it is in the Bible. Okay? So one of the reasons why we take offerings, one of the reasons why we tithe, okay, is because when we take an offering and when we tithe, tithe is giving 10% from what God gives you. When we tithe, what are we doing? We're placing our money in his hands. Okay, I know some people are going, hands. No, no, listen, I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you as your pastor because I love you. All right? One of the most amazing lessons I learned early on in God took place when I started tithing. It opened up my understanding of God's care and protection in just an amazing way. It was like a once a week or once every two week um, ministry of peace. So it was like I learned how to tithe. My family thought I was nuts. Okay, I was like, why in the world did I tell them I started tithing? Because they were, they were like, fanatic, those people that have their hands in your pocket, all of this kind of stuff. And let me tell you something, don't believe that cynical nonsense. I'm talking to you like your pastor now. I remember giving to God, and it was like a peace injection would come right back to me. It's all good, he has it in his hands. Okay, you want to live in peace? Tithe. Something incredible happens. You give to God. But listen, tithing means you give it to God first. No calculations. Off the top, doesn't matter. I just give it to God. Supernatural provision takes place when we place it in his hands. And listen, and more. And I didn't even pull up the verse out of Malachi where God says, test me in this. 
See if I don't, if you give to me, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, see if I won't blow open the windows of heaven and give you more than, than you could ever ask or imagine. Just, just one more minute. I, I've, I've told the story. I'm like, honey, I got to get new stories. I'm getting old because I sound like my parents. I keep telling the same old stories. You know, but listen, when we got our first house, after being in an apartment my whole life, three of us in a bedroom, and we didn't have the credit for the house. We lived like missionaries. I made $55 a week. Chrissy made like 65 or 75. And um, I have to say it, I still have an issue with the fact they paid it more than me, but that, we're gonna keep going, <laughs> right? So, so listen, we were, we, we were in the ministry as soon as we started food stamps uh, we used food stamps to buy Annie's formula which in my family was a great shame because my father said coming to America you work five jobs this is the greatest country in the world now that's not true but that is what I grew up on so my family was like you gave up baseball you gave up this you married that girl you know she doesn't speak Spanish and, 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 and now you got food stamps you know so that's the way we started and with all kinds of hardships and difficulties, and I'll never forget when the guy said, I'll be your bank, and I'm going to build the house for you. You get to pick your own cabinets, pick your own floors. And I re I'll never forget when they had the, it was just sticks in Omaha. Just a little house, but it was, for me, it was like a gigantic mansion. Little house, but those sticks up in the fireplace, and I would sit on the bricks. And I would just sit on the bricks and cry. You know? And you guys, when I, I'm telling you, I talk about food, I look at food all the time, I cry. You know, Mike Risher, he buys me steak just to see me cry sometimes. <laughs> well, listen to me. Listen to me. Whatever you put in, your, in his hands, how many know he blesses? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If the singers... If the singers could come, listen, I want to read a quote to you out of this book, The Blessed Life, which we've handed out many times. You want to read a good book on, on, on being blessed. This is a fantastic book. Come up to the go ahead, quote. Listen to this. Money that is submitted to God and his purposes has the spirit of God on it, which is why he multipl it multiplies and cannot be consumed by the devourer. I'm convinced that money that has been submitted to God, wealth that is devoted to serving him rather than to trying to replace him, is blessed by God in a very real sense. God's spirit blesses it. Now, here's why I closed with this, and, and we're going to close now. It's because this text, could, you could take that off. This text started with something real, tangible, material. Because tangible, material things are important to us. And the Lord says... Even if it's no place on the earth, no place on the earth, if you trust me, I'll make it show up on the earth. You see, give us this day our daily bread from, from the Wonder Bread Company, no, from heaven. It comes from heaven. So here's the way I want to close. Right now, there's something 
that somebody needs to place in the hands of Jesus. I'm not, it, we're not talking about money now. You know what the Holy Spirit is saying. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it is your money. Maybe it's, it, it could be all sorts of things that are going on. Maybe it's a battle. You're trying to fight this battle in your own strength. No, no. If you're here today and you've got to place something in his hands, I want you to just stand to your feet and raise your hands. If you're here, this message is for you today because you need God to be the Lord of provision. Come on, lead the way as we lift our hands. Let's sing to him. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you. needed but if you're here and you actually you know you know that there's something that you have to place in your hand I want you to put it in his hand even as someone prays for you come on this is what the body of Christ is all about we pray one for another so come on pray to your left and to your right right now hallelujah Jesus we bless you Lord 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Jehovah Jireh, the great provider, provide by your mighty power, O oh God. Bring a release, bring a release today in the mighty name of Jesus, O oh God. Blessed be your name, O oh God. Blessed be your name, O oh God. Hallelujah, God. You're the great provider, O oh God. You're the great provider, O oh God. Provide, O oh God. Provide for marriages, O oh God. Provide for homes, O oh God. Provide grace, O oh God, for victory. Provide strength. Provide healing, O oh God. Provide relationships. Provide spouses. Provide for our future. Provide, O oh God. Provide. Bring financial breakthrough. You are the Lord of provision, O oh God. And Father, we place it in your hands. I pray for breakthrough in the area of offerings, oh God. We give offerings to you today. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. Father, as we go from this place, we go rejoicing in the God of provision. We rejoice in the Lord of provision. You said we have not because we ask not, but Lord, we ask and we know we're gonna receive. Come on, put your hands together if you know he's gonna provide. Come on, let's praise him, hallelujah. You're gonna provide, oh God. Blessed be your name, oh God. Blessed be your name. You're the Lord of provision, oh God. Nothing is too hard for you. So Father, release your people to walk in peace. No more worry, no more doubt. I know that my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah, my Redeemer lives, oh God. Hallelujah. Bless your people as they go. God, let the joy of the Lord pour out of them because of all that you've poured into them and we thank you. Oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. Let's give God one more hand of praise before we go. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another before you go. We hope to see you on Tuesday at our prayer meeting. God bless you.